Hi, my name is Lillian O'Brien Davis. I'm the curator of exhibitions and public programs at Gallery 44. I'm honored to be joined today uh, in a conversation uh, for an upcoming exhibition at the gallery called Is Love a Synonym for Abolition? Curated by Liz Ikiriko, featuring the artwork of Isabel Okuro and Timothy Yannick Hunter in conversation with Catherine McKittrick. Thanks everyone for joining me. I'm so pleased that we could be here today together on Zoom. And I have a few questions prepared, but one of the first questions that I wanted to start with is just, how are you doing? Okay, uh, I could go. <laughs> so I've been doing okay, mostly. I was back home in Nigeria for the past seven months. It was a longer period than I'm used to or that I've been used to in like the more recent years because even though I like I was born and raised there you know like moving to Canada like I would sort of be limited to only seeing my family like maybe once every couple years so you know like just being in the space again for such a lengthy period of time um, I would say had a great impact on me um not just like as an artist but also like as a person and in terms of like going back to in-person interaction you know like I think back in Lagos where we're still things have still been moving you know there wasn't really any lockdown there was a lockdown I think like at the start of the pandemic but you know after the first lockdown things since then have just been you know, back to normal, more or less. Life moves very fast in Lagos. I haven't been vaccinated yet, but I would like to be. <laughs> I didn't get vaccinated in Lagos because, like, they were only given, like, a specific type of vaccine there. You know, like, the donation, the ones that come in as, like, donations from the West or whatever. I was just kind of iffy about it. I'm also iffy about, like, the Nigerian government, anything they do. So I just didn't want to take it there. But yeah, I think I'm now in London. So, you know, sort of adjusting back to a slower paced setting and, you know, having to be more cautious about things compared to when I was in Lagos. It's really been interesting. How long are, are you staying over there, Isabel? I'm in London for like two months or until like whenever you know, Canada sort of opens up. Um, I wasn't able to come back right away because like, even though I'm a student and I have my study permit and everything, you know, they don't consider my travel essential because I was already done with school at the time that I wanted to come back. So it's sort of made everything just, you know, in limbo. I don't really know anything about the future, just waiting. Again, I feel like that's the theme of 2021 in terms of I, I feel like I really noticed you know now that we're like what 16 months into the pandemic I feel like I really noticed this difference between 2020 there was just like such a great weight and and like gravity to it and it was just like I felt like everything was really hard uh last year and um things moved forward but it was just and but my relationship to time changed everything felt radical, like a day felt like a month and then a week would feel like, 
you know, an hour. Like it was just super strange. And I feel like 2021, I just feel like every, every situation, every opportunity has been met with its equal challenge with its equal, like what? Um, So I appreciate what you're saying as well, because there's been so many things like in terms of thinking about like where I'm at personally, it's reflected in everything, uh, like in every action, like there's been so many great things that have happened. And I think one of those things too, is like, I like his love a synonym for abolition kind of came out of this time too. And so it's been like really amazing to be in connection with all of you. And even though it's like, it's not, I don't, I wouldn't say fractured, but like the fact that like, you know, Isabel, like you've been away, even though we've been able to stay connected, that there's like these challenges that we're kind of always facing and, you know, the actual exhibition has been delayed and um, all of these things where there's no one to blame. Like, it's just like, here we go. And let's just keep waiting and hope things like turn out. And, you know, um, so yeah, I would just say that that's, that's the continuation of how it's going over here. Yeah, like I, I found, uh, I mean, not just our project, but like any projects that had started after the pandemic is just like, maybe fractured is not the word, but like having to work like so remotely the relationship to time has been very interesting. Uh, ironically enough, like you said, uh, Liz saying like, you know, uh, the new like social, <laughs> being able to like not, not hug people, it's been, I'll admit, it's been kind of nice to not have to respond to people immediately because that's like my nature. So, <laughs> but like, you know, there, there have been like, um, it has been very challenging though, as if we're just talking about like the work, like my work and just, you know, like uh, yesterday I took a bike past the reference library and I was just like missing like this whole period of my life where I would just be like spending so much time like researching and doing stuff there and I'll I'll, I'll admit like I'm still not fully back to the rhythm that I was in pre-pandemic it's not necessarily a bad thing still working but it's very different especially as an artist and like your work kind of synthesizes life not being outside and social settings and seeing your friends and family and having certain kinds of conversations that really feed the work sometimes like black artists union we were meeting we would meet like every week right so like to go from that to not meeting uh, in person it is very it is very different you know but at the same time Liz like you said the weight is is very different too right like I've gotten used have still had to got, get used to like the the, the situation I think in a historical context, it will be really interesting to look back at uh, everything that's come out of the, the last year, maybe two, three years. I'm very in, kind of interested in seeing like how we talk about the, the, the work, especially with like Black artists during such a tumultuous time. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm trying to let it all sink in what, what you've all mentioned, like thinking about being in limbo and being you know, living in a kind of fragmented world, but also how this opened up new possibilities for connections and conversations and new ways of teaching each other ideas and talking about ideas in ways like that we wouldn't have before. So we would be sitting in a room, for example, or or perhaps not, you know, perhaps we would have never, we couldn't have, our schedules couldn't have met as easily. And so the isolation has produced these really beautiful transnational contexts 
But at the same time, it's like activity in stasis, right? So we're like generating ideas and we're doing this all. And, and we're doing, as you know, like I'm doing this from my basement yet again, right? And I kind of just come downstairs and it's the same space. So there's no new geography for me to, to that will add to my ideas. Um, there's no, you know, bumping into someone on the street that will shift, you know, what direction I'm going. And so there's this, it's a, it's a really complicated time for me because, you know, I also like being alone, but I'm not sure I like being alone this much, right? <laughs> so at first I was, uh, dur during the early months of the pandemic, it was almost a relief. Um, and I think we mentioned that around like different, the different ways that we relate to people um, and just being able to retreat from that. And I think this is really significant, especially Tim and Isabel, in terms of what you're thinking about your, in your art and how this, like how this is a moment, the pandemic creates a particular type of black art. For me, it was a relief not to go, have to go back to campus because the university I work at is, is racist, right? And so, so to be able to not have to walk through that campus and wade through that white supremacy is, is a different kind of feeling. However, at the same time, I lost connections with my black students, right? So it was a different, you know, so we, we get something, we get a new context and we invent something new out of it, but then something gets lost. And so that's, that's how I've been trying to think about what what this the, this sort of long moment has meant and i i don't know about re-entry like i'm as i you know i'm nervous i don't know i don't know what what it will look like i'm but i'm i'm excited to be able to feel i'm excited about what is possible right i'm excited about because i think i think one of the things that has come out of out of this are those new contexts and that we can make ideas in a different kind of way now. Like we know that this is possible to do kind of more transnational conversations, even though there are limits to that. Thank you all so much. And one of the things I'm thinking about is this project is almost a kind of experiment in a lot of the things that you're mentioning, Catherine, in terms of a way of working together um, that has has had to evolve many times during uh, the course of this pandemic with the dates shifting and all of that. So I'm curious to learn more how, how this collaboration came together, uh, what the process has been and maybe how it shifted over the last 16 months. <laughs> I'll say that um, the origin start of this exhibition, I think started in 2019. So we like Gallery 484 and I applied for the Ontario Arts Council funding. It's the culturally diverse curatorial grant that we received. And so we, we applied quite early, uh, thinking that this would just be great to kind of have a line. And so in 2019, when we were applying, I remember thinking like, oh, 2021, like we're good. Like, this is great. Um, we have all this time to work on an idea and whatnot. And, um, and, and even when the pandemic started, I was like, this is all challenging for so many people, but like, this is great for the show because it's not going to impact us at all. Like for sure, there's no way it could. <laughs> of course it does. But I would just say that like uh, when I was thinking about the, the premise, I was really thinking about the importance for identifying a different ways of curating um, and thinking through collective and collaborative practice and working with Black 
artists and thinking about how, like the kinds of engagement that I have had and that I wanted to kind of pursue. And especially just um, at that time coming out of um, grad school, I'd done my degree um, in criticism and curatorial practice at OCAD. And um, I think I had a lot of, I uh, really wanted to challenge kind of a more formal structure for a curatorial practice. And so that was kind of like the, the platform or the, the structure I really wanted was to be able to like work with artists that would be interested also in being able to connect with each other and to like that there would be work that came out of this that would be not just like, hey, I love this work and it would respond well to this work. So let's put it in a space together and, you know, send out a press release and make shit happen. Like that wasn't really um, of any interest. And so in terms of thinking about um, Tim and Isabel, I'll let you guys talk about, about the way that you've been working together. But um, I think that both of you have practices that are ready, that are kind of collaborative um, in nature. Um, Tim being a part of Black Artists Union and Isabel being, knowing that Isabel had, was self-taught and was taking these incredible photos of friends that were so beautiful. And there was such an, an intimate kind of engagement, I felt like, and knowing that Isabel, like, I just thought that there'd be really great kind of synergies between Tim and Isabel and being able to kind of like create and support community within, within Toronto. So that was kind of the, the beginning premise. Well, like, um, I could start with saying like, I, I don't know, sometime last year when the restrictions were a little bit different, I think that was the first time we got to meet is us three at 1-8 and in Kensington Market. That was like, the, the I think that was maybe the only time we've ever kind of like met in, in the same room and kind of discussed the work, maybe just kind of picking up off of what you, you were saying, but just the idea of, um, I like the dialogue that we've been having leading up to the work and stuff. I, I do admit like, yeah, due to the ongoing, like the pushing of like the, the, the dates and stuff, it's it kind of, I don't know, I, I think like the conversations actually between the all four of us kind of became really integral. I, 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 I do feel that was the intention anyway, but because of how long the, the, the process was, I think like the, the conversations were almost um, really integral to, to what is to come. And also to see the text and that kind of collaborative work. I, I guess basically what I'm thinking is how there's this particular project. It's really interesting to see how there, at least for me, there's not even much of a hierarchy between like the end exhibition. Maybe at first that's how I was thinking, you know, we'd have like a series of discussions, get to do a book and then uh, have the, the, the in-person exhibition. But of course, consequence of the pandemic and the, the situation we are, we're in, but this is like the first time I've ever had maybe such a such a multidisciplinary type project where between all of the, the, the collaborators, there's just so much um, dialogue behind the work. I'm still, and it's about, I'm sure you as well, so interested to see how it manifests physically in, in, in a room. But yeah, also working collaborating uh, remotely has been, there's definitely challenges. And I'm sure, uh, again, Isabel would be able to echo that statement too, right? Like us not being in the same place, let alone the same continent is, is very uh, challenging. So I find like a lot of 
the work has been just like dialogue, <laughs> but in 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 a way that's more like not as not to minimize the, the work. I, I think dialogue is really important, and um, even Catherine, um, you'd sent us copies of Dear Science, and like reading through that's been like that's a whole aside. Uh, <laughs> I could say, but been super influential to like how I've been thinking or kind of put words to what I've been thinking about. So. I mean, in a long-winded way of saying it's, I've been very grateful for the, the uh, dialogue aspect of this this project. Yeah, just to, you know, sort of go from what Tim is saying, I as well, I'm really grateful for, you know, the entire experience and all the conversations and the openness and sharing knowledge between each of us. When we first, not first, but like when, we had initially started discussing the exhibition um, around this time last year. I already sort of like had an idea in my mind of like the work I wanted to create and even went on to like make some of that work before we had even started speaking with Catherine. But, you know, I can say like from these conversations that we've had and like the papers that we shared and you know, working on the publication, the ideas that I had back then, um, right now, they seem more mature. I feel like a good thing, a silver lining of the show being pushed is that it's given me more time to be more intentional about like the words I want to use to describe the work or, you know, the way I want the work presented. So I was making a triptych and I had made like the first two images in Toronto like last fall and I always planned to make the third one back home in, in Nigeria and so you know I was going through a lot at the start of the year so I kept postponing it and I actually didn't end up like trying to make any image until like February and around that time in February you know like I had made this third image but you know I showed it to Liz I showed it to some of my friends and even like within my I knew this wasn't like what I was trying to like this wasn't the idea that I was trying to like see come to life like it just felt very far from me so I think like you know having the show sort of postponed again gave me not only more time but more space to to consider a lot of things differently and so I actually ended up shooting the third um, image. I did like two different shoots from it. I think the last one that I did really embodied everything that I wanted it to. You know, like I I sort of started to I sort of started to focus on this idea of surrendering to the flow. Like even before making the image, like even from reading the text that I can't remember who amongst us shared it, but it was a text on like diaspora literacy and like Marasa consciousness and um, like African traditions and all of that. So, you know, just like reading a lot of that text, considering a lot of different things sort of, and like obviously paying attention to the current context that we're all living in, how everything is, you know, just stuck in limbo. I sort of started to hone in on this idea of surrendering to the flow and like if you see the third image in the triptych, it's sort of like a double exposure image of almost like a, it's kind of like a fantasized space where the faces aren't obvious, but the bodies are obvious. And, you know, it's like all these black bodies in this space and 
you know, things are in limbo. Like nothing is like set in stone, you know, the double exposure nature of the image makes it such that, you know, things are just sort of like flowing. There's just this natural flow. And, you know, like that's an example of something that I know for sure I wouldn't have been able to consider had it not been for the conversations that we had, the knowledge that we shared, and also like the context that we're in, you know, like maybe if the show was supposed to be back in like May, like it was originally supposed to, you know, I wouldn't have been able to consider all these different ideas. So I think like at the end of everything, I'm just, you know, grateful to still be in a position where, you know, I can have conversations like this with, you know, people that I look up to or people that, you know, give me a lot to think about because, you know, after every conversation that we have, I, I actually do have a lot to think about. And, you know, it's not, Tim said, it's not often that we find ourselves in these sort of like working in these sort of projects where like, it's not just about the work, but it's about everything else too. Like the process, like this show really emphasized the process, like every aspect of the process. And it's not often that you see like a gallery or collaborators that are, you know, willing to tear apart the process and like break everything down and, you know, just make sense of everything in a way that speaks to all of us. Yeah, I really value and cherish the dialogue part. I'm a wordy person. I love words and I love thinking about words. But one of the the gifts of this is when Liz asked me to participate it was a way for me to think about art as theory and 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 thinking about how the creative work is a theoretical text with a curator and two artists who are thinking along the same lines but may, may not use the same grammar as i use and so for me collaborative projects are always full of possibility but as um, both, as everybody's kind of pointed out, it's the, what did the dialogue do to, what did the dialogue do to allow us to theorize abolition and theorize freedom or liberation in different kinds of ways? And to think like, for example, to, to go back to Isabel's uh, story that she just told, like how the actual practical work of making and creating and inventing something shifts because of a conversation that you've had. Um, to be able to track that is really beautiful. Um, to think to think that it is that that both of you are producing art in a very specific and individual way, yet it's tied to a bigger conversation and a bigger dialogue. And it allows us to think about, yeah, there isn't a higher, I don't think there is a hierarchy here, right? So words aren't privileged over the visual or the visual isn't privileged over the words, but instead like we need all of this to be, all of these things to be entangled in order to bring the, the project forward, which is really lovely. And I've been thinking a lot about abolition. I just finished Miriam Kaba's book and had a conversation with a number of um, colleagues and students about about her book uh, on abolition and I'm always in conversation with Ruth Wilson Gilmore and how abolition is ongoing and never resolved and how this project is kind of a, an expression of that of, of a struggle that we're having together and we're doing it together 
there isn't necessarily an answer to freedom here, but rather a working together to navigate the brutality of the world within the context of a global pandemic, right? Um, from very different locations. So I, I think that there's, yeah, there's a richness to this. And the delay is, is you know, another part of the gift, like, you know, so that we can we can have this this conversation that we're having now instead of sort of scrambling in May to to get everything together. And yeah, so what one of the things I have learned through this process is, and and this is a lesson that I learned from working with Sylvia Winters uh, so many years ago. But um, there's nothing wrong with being patient patient about ideas and patient about conversations and having long stretched out conversations rather than sort of quick snappy ones. I think quick snappy ones are great too, texts and quick emails and so on and so forth. I think they can be aesthetically pleasing and great too, but what's wrong with stretching out how we struggle to think through, you know, how we might get to a better future like how we need to we need to be patient about this sometimes and so this has created that that space in limbo is a space of creation as well I think it really you know I think about the fact that in most situations we really have such distinct goals in mind you know like we're gonna like this is the the exhibition's gonna you know produce this work or it's gonna showcase this work we're gonna work in this this way with this structure. And I think so much of that was kind of originally not planned. I didn't really wanna make any space for, for having kind of a very structured um, outcome. And then, and then on top of it, um, all of you were responsive to it. I mean, I think Catherine, we were probably the most aware of like not wanting to kind of like impose ourselves on you and it was so it was so wonderful to kind of have this opportunity to kind of be like here's this here's this space and and then we all kind of like fed into it and like and we're able to kind of uh, share in this really incredible way I think about the fact that it was really like a research um, and resource sharing practice that we all kind of contributed to in such an incredible way. And I just wanted to say that like, Catherine, you, you had a talk not so long ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago, where I think someone was asking you a question about like, how to work with freedom as your goal or your end result, like if you're working towards the idea of freedom and abolition. And you said, and sorry, my paraphrasing is kind of terrible. But what I got from it was that you were saying, well, if that's the end goal, we'll never get there. Like it's a process, it's a practice, it's what we're doing. Like we have to, it has to be something that we're enacting all the time. And I thought that that was um, so profound, but it was also like what I think is really at the heart of what we're doing in terms of being able to like kind of envision like what does the world that we want to live in look like and how does it feel and how can we create that with this with this exhibition with this space that we're we're utilizing and I think that's the part that has felt so gratifying um, and that doesn't feel like there's any real desire for there's no hierarchy there's no like the the sense of time doesn't feel super there's no panic <laughs> we're kind of just creating this this really 
rich pool. I'm I'm really intrigued by this, the dynamic and how you're explaining how the relationship has developed. And to have a scholar come in and into the curator-artist relationship, I'm wondering, Liz or Catherine or or even Timur Isabel, if you wanted to go into a little bit more about how what that relationship is like. With uh, I was kind of wishing for the stars. I was I was like, yeah, I would love to work with Catherine. Um, let's see what happens. And I really, honestly, did not think that I would get a response from you, Catherine. So it was just it was really exciting. And we we initially met to kind of discuss, uh, you know, how this would work and you're I really I feel like generous is being that's the word is used so much lately but it's but it's it's true like I feel like you were very generous in terms of your time and um and presence and so then we had kind of developed this idea of having these conversations with Tim and Isabel and I really didn't I think that the thing that um I think that I've been really happy and excited about is the fact that this hasn't felt hierarchical and that I think that in a lot it, of ways that there has been an embedded kind of Western hierarchy um, within uh, academia and within the art world in terms of the relationships between curators and artists and between scholars and students and and that was really kind of put away that was put aside and that didn't that didn't kind of happen here and I think that was just that all of us really kind of just brought ourselves and the way that we want to be in the world and so I think it just I don't think any of us, I think who we are kind of doesn't uh, conform to kind of having these rigid kind of markers of like scholar, curator, professional, artist, you know, so so I guess that kind of made it easy. And um, I just wanted to add, me personally, I feel really privileged to be in this kind of space, like considering my age or like my background and everything. It's not often that people who are like as young as me, like 19 year old black artists are having these sort of opportunities to have these conversations with, you know, scholars or curators or galleries. So it's been such a, a comfortable introduction into these worlds for me. I haven't really felt intimidated, but, you know, I'm just very open to learning and the learning has come. I have learned so much just from, you know, exchanging these emails and these, um, having these conversations that, you know, it's, it's sometimes hard to sit down and make sense of like, just how much of an impact it's had as an artist. You know, I just think it's, it's, it's really amazing um, to be given this sort of opportunity. Like I, I can say from, this time last summer when, you know, I had just started developing the ideas to like right now when they're sort of almost complete, I've had a growth, not only in like the work, but also the way I think about the work. Like now I'm more interested in reading as an inspiration to making images or listening to music or doing things that I wouldn't necessarily have done prior to, to this opportunity. So I think, you know, very grateful that everything has has been able to happen the way it has been. And also just grateful to to be in conversation constantly with minds that are more mature than mine and like minds that are thinking about things that 
a young me like obviously wouldn't think about it's been sort of humbling but also also very interesting to navigate these spaces and try to like hold my ground and not sound stupid around you guys you have a neuroscience degree <laughs> like like i feel like i'm not we're odd one out <laughs> so, oh my god yeah congratulations by the way thank you but i i, I could comment a little bit too kind of piggybacking from you as well I feel very um privileged as well to kind of work this way a lot of what we discussed especially around the point of time when we were sharing text like really opened my eyes to some uh, kind of just like readings and research that I, I hadn't considered before or hadn't had like direct uh, conversation with but I think the really really cool part about this I think especially that time when we were working on that text it, uh, Liz and Catherine as like a curator and as like the um, scholar in this to see you guys also work as artists in this form when we were working on that is very cool because like like you said Catherine thinking of art as theory theoretical as as text thinking of music as text and cultural work like I think Sometimes I might overuse that word, but I find it kind of summarizes what we all do in a more concise way as cultural workers, Black cultural workers. Because, yeah, like at any given time, I'm also an artist, but I'm also many other other things too, right? So I think this project kind of um, made that very uh, apparent. A theme that occurs in the show is the merging or crossing over of different media with lens-based works, film, music, audio. And I'm curious like, if you want to talk more about the importance of this method of working to the project. I feel like Liz, me and Isabel both had websites that were kind of had a mix of sound, image, video. I don't know. That's just something I, 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 I keep thinking of and like how it's, it's really cool to kind of, at least for me as a, a starting place where we were kind of working like that independently anyway. And it's, it's also kind of interesting because I had never thought of, you know, using a website in the way that I did Color and Feel until, you know, I was introduced to Tim's website, True and Functional. And honestly, like, when I first saw the website, I was like, this is like the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like, what's going on here? When I consider art before... I think my my ideas on what art is and what art can be were very limited through the the artists that I got the chance to work with. It's just sort of opened my mind to more possibilities, you know, just thinking about the ways that we can use different mediums to say the same things or the ways that, you know, we can utilize the tools that we already have to make newer things. That possibility is is something that's really been emphasized from working on this project. I really love interdisciplinary work and thinking across different textures and ideas and different different media. I just finished a, an essay on Renee Green's archive from about 1986 forward. And I was blown away by how she was kind of in the mid to late 1980s doing a lot of uh, a lot of work with sound with installations that are a living room with books around them which we've seen before right more recently at the at the AGO with Micheline Thomas thing and I was like that's exactly Renee Green was doing that in 1986 and thinking about how a lot of black artists 
you know, we can see a continuity, whether it be through, you know, someone like Renee Green or Carrie Mae Weems. Um, I'm thinking in Canada about Charmaine Lurch, who works with both wires and, and charcoal, and this bringing together of different, different kinds of texts and different ways to to think about, as Tim put it, Black cultural work, right? So there's just this richness of possibility that uh, that reaches outside a specific genre, even if it's genre-based. So even if it's photography, there's something, there's there's a soundtrack to the to the photography that will will draw us into the piece. I mean, we can also think about something like, you know, Ralph Ellison's The Invisible Man as an example, right? And how he wrote the first chunk of that as a jazz piece. That's one example where it's a novel. And then if you kind of know the story behind it, then it becomes something else. And so I think these kinds of things, and with both Tim and Isabel's archives, you see that sort of piecing together of multiple genres and media that produce a coherent narrative that is simultaneously pushing against white supremacy, but also pushing against singular genres as the only way to produce art, right? So there's something like as though, you know, you you can only do a you can only do a painting, right? Or you can only be a sculptor. But instead it's like there are a number of ways, I think, to there are a number of narratives, texts, songs, sounds, poetics that come together that produce ways of being black and i think i that's what i'm i'm very both interested in and take and drawn to is that multiplicity like that ability to bring together a whole bunch of things that per- launches this monumental critique i think of of the art world and of of white supremacy so yeah there's a i think there's a lot going on and because it's so layered you can enter into it like it's a flexible entry point so if you're not comfortable if you're not comfortable entering into it through the sculpture you can you might enter into it through sound or you might enter into it through you know something else so there's there's just there's a generosity there too a capaciousness which is really beautiful i just discovered this piece of writing by glisson um mind my French, but called uh, Le Pensée de Tremblement, which is the thought of the tremor. And so Glissant's thinking through this idea of, of trembling thinking as a way of refusing uh, fixed ideas or, or kind of framed and structured ways of kind of embracing the, multi- the multiple. And I really love this in terms of thinking of also the way that Black cultural work functions as a way or like, and and Black presence, I feel like there's a way that there is a refusal of giving shape or a distinct form to the work that we're doing. And instead it's redirecting outward as opposed Mm -hmm. to kind of trying to contain something. I keep thinking that the work that we're always doing is kind of, is, is saying like, and and it's this and and it's this and 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 it's music and it's this song and it's here and it's here which i think what you said catherine is so important is like that it's these multiple entry points it's it's being able to say like and this is how you can enter like this is how we share yeah i think about like imagine one of my 
PhD student Ziania Lee for her MA thesis, she talked about the white space. So someone who's not from the from the art world, this was very new to me. <laughs> um, but imagining and thinking through curating a white space or a white cube or whatever it is, um, how that produces the conditions for exclusion immediately. And so if the premise is to think through, like I said, a, like a capaciousness or an, uh, a way for Black, Indigenous, and other racialized communities to enter into the art world, if there's a multiplicity there, like think about how different that is, you know, than, than these kind of closed museum doors where Blackness is archived in a way that it's like pre-colonial or, you know, like this is the Fanon story, you know, the history weighing him down. Um, and so if, if it's multi-textual, it's offering something else to people who you know, would would be closed out of the conversation because they're already part of the conversation. I love that glissant, that trembling thinking and thinking, like you said, like redirecting it outward. That's beautiful. Thanks, everyone. I'm really appreciative of us being able to come together and speak. And I look forward to hopefully uh, seeing you all in person at one point or another, uh, when the gallery opens up in the next few weeks, fingers crossed. Um, and please look for information about the exhibition and subsequent programming on the Gallery 44 website, as well as the publication. The publication, once you're listening to this, there will be a publication available as well. And there's um, more writing by Liz and Tim and Isabel and Catherine in conversation, uh, as well as a playlist. So um, kind of multidisciplinary there as well. So thanks everyone and please do take care. Thank you everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks everybody. It's great.